You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Jason Berry as he delivers Mother's Day 2019. God trusts us to raise his children. I love my mommy because she takes me to go get my nails done. I love my mom because she teaches me to be kind. Because she does my laundry. She takes care of me. I love my mom because she's loving. This month, um, I had soldier on my tummy, and she took good care of me. I love how she takes us to fun places, like Chick-fil-A and swimming lessons to the park, stuff and, like that. And a star. She's cute. She has so many kids, and she loves me. I love Bobby because Jesus. I love my mom because she teaches me to love others. She makes macaroni because macaroni is my favorite. She buys stuff for us, like our bed, our house. Well, she doesn't buy our ha- she doesn't buy a house for us. The construction workers uh, make it for our family. That is technically correct. My mommy gives me sweet stuff, and I love her so much. I love my mom because she makes great food. Oh, mom likes me. I love mommy because she tells us about the Bible, and she reads us stories about Jesus, and sometimes she gives us cookies. And that's why I love her. Isn't that great? It's a great way to start Mother's Day. I love my mommy because she t- teaches me about Jesus and gives me cookies. I like the order. That's smart. That's a good order. Well, welcome to Mother's Day here at 12 Stone. We're so glad that you're with us. And uh, whether you're at one of our campuses physically here, whether you're online, whether you're at one of our Monday evening services, we're so glad that you're joining us for Mother's Day weekend. And I would start by just saying this. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. And some of you are like, I'm a dude, and I would still say Happy Mother's Day, right? Like, you came from a mom, Happy Mother's Day. Without your mom, you wouldn't be here, so take it. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Now, some of you are happy about that. Yeah, we can thank our moms. See, today we get a chance to to continue in this season when we're looking at what, what it looks like for God to transform families. See, as part of the vision of this church, at the core of this church, we think God wants to transform families. And last weekend, we started in Genesis 1 to 3, and and today we pick up uh, with that. And we're going to be looking at the story of the very first mom ever, Eve. See, throughout history, God has used moms to progress his story through all of time. For us, moms are incredibly important. For me, I'm married to a mom, right? For many of us, we're married to a mom, (laughs) You have a mom that birthed you. You have a, a mother-in-law, many of you, and for some of you, that's a good thing. Uh, don't laugh too hard if she's next to you. Some of you have mother figures that aren't even related uh, by family, but they're moms to you. See, for me, I have five moms in my life. I'm not lying. Five moms. See, I have my birth mom, Shelly. And she was my physical, biological mom, and she birthed me, and and she gave me life, and I gave her a prayer life. You see, one day, you'll catch that, uh, 
Just an example, she went to the supermarket, she came home just in time to see my brother and I jumping off the roof onto the trampoline. It was awesome, kids, don't do it, it's very dangerous, don't do it. See, my mom was an incredible mom, but about uh, nine years ago in 2010, she passed away as a result of a car accident. So Mother's Day, like many of you, is a tough day. It's mixed emotions. I'm so grateful for what God's blessed me with, but, but there's a sadness there, and I get that with some of us. See, so I have my birth mom. Then I have my wife, Amber, and she made me a dad. Luke, Lizzie, and Lincoln. And when I married her, I picked up another mom, my mother-in-law. And I'm not just saying it because she's in this service. I have a great mother-in-law. <laughs> Thank you, God. Amen. Amen from all those of you who have good mother-in-laws. Thank you, Jesus. You can celebrate that. Even if it's not true, if she's next to you, celebrate it, dummy. Celebrate it. <laughs> See, then I have my stepmom, Debbie. See, a couple years after my mom passed, my father got remarried. True story. I was able to actually do my dad's ceremony and marry my dad and my stepmom. True story. When it got to the point where they were supposed to kiss, I, I reminded them, all of your kids are in the room. Please quickly and respectfully kiss your bride. <laughs> and he obliged. And then my fifth mom, a lady named Miss Edie. Miss Edie, she was from my home church in upstate New York. She was an older lady. Her and her husband never could have kids. But she took it upon herself to sort of adopt kids in the church and, and say, I'm going to be a mother figure to you. And she was so kind. And the last week before I went to college, she pulled me aside and she said, God's told me to send you $100 a month every month you're in college. $4,800 over four years. I almost stayed in college a fifth year to get some more cash, right? <laughs> that $100 bought me more Taco Bell than I'd like to talk about. But that woman was a gift in my life. You see, I, I don't know what your mother's situation is. I don't know what your story is right now, but I know this. All of us can be grateful for a mom, can't we? We can be grateful. And let me go back to my mom. Let me, let me, let me, let me go back. See, this week, I was reminded of the unique weight that moms carry. See, what I have in my hand is my mom's journal. She wrote a journal starting at four years old for me until I was 18, and I got a chance to read back over this entire journal this week. I do it, I do it every couple of years. And I was reminded of the weight that moms carry. You see, I read my mom's joy when she sent me off to kindergarten and I loved it. I read my mom's sorrow as she thought about me going to college and leaving the house. I read the joy my mom had when I said yes to Jesus at an early age. And I read the sorrow and the weight that my mom had when in high school I had some wayward moments. High school parents, amen to that, right? I, I've seen both sides of this. And moms, you carry a unique weight. In fact, there's a quote from a, an author, Heidi St. John. I want you to see this quote, and I want to read this. God knows the hearts of tired mothers intimately because he works the night shift with us. Not a single tear falls from our eyes that God isn't intimately familiar with. Moms, God is intimately familiar with the weight that you carry. And parenting is not for the faint of heart, is it? Parenting can be scary. I had an experience a couple months ago. I was downstairs watching TV, Netflix, about 10 o'clock, wrapping things up, about to go to bed, and I hear footsteps coming down the stairs. I said, hey, who is it? Thought it was my wife, I didn't get a response. It was my sleepwalking daughter. I didn't know it yet. You know when people are sleepwalking, they like look through you? Have you ever seen someone sleepwalking? This is what she does. She peeps around the corner and goes, Daddy, it's me. I about lost it. 
I screamed, jumped back. She walked herself back to bed, fell asleep. I had to change my pants. Parenting, <laughs> parenting is not for the weak at heart. You see, today, we're, we're gonna dive in. I think God wants to encourage moms. And listen, I think God wants to encourage all of us. I think God wants to speak to us. I wanna get to work, and I wanna dive in as we walk through the life of the first mom, Eve. And I think God wants to speak to moms, but I think he wants to speak to all of us. And I wanna start in the middle of her story to give us one big picture thought that you need to have. So let's look at Genesis 4, verse one together. Adam laid with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. This is your first point, and this is like an overarching for all parents, moms, all of us. Here's the big point. God trusts us to raise his children. Moms, you need to hear this off the top. These are his kids he's entrusted you to raise, and that means you're not alone. With the help of the Lord, you raise your kids, right? With the help of the Lord, you're not alone. Moms, you can take a deep breath on this Mother's Day. You are not alone in this. God is partnering with you, and we learn early on from Eve that she knew at a soul level that God was with her. God was helping her raise her kids. And I believe that God has positioned moms to be the most influential people in the world. That's including politicians, pro athletes, celebrities, billionaire CEOs. Moms, you are raising the future. That is influence that Google would pay billions of dollars to have, and they sort of kind of try to illegally. Uh, but people, listen, moms, you have influence. And because of that, I think Eve, if she could come back and look at her whole life and look back, I think she might say this. Listen, Satan has been attacking families since the beginning of time. And Satan is still a, trying to attack families today. And moms, you are sometimes his lightning rod. Because if you can take down a mom, you can take down a family. Did you catch that? If Satan can take down a mom, he can take down a family. So today, we're gonna talk about the two primary ways that the evil one attacks moms and the one primary weapon God gives moms to fight back. So moms, we're gonna start with the, with the attack. We're gonna end with the weapon God's given you, and I think God's gonna teach us all some things today. So if you wanna open up your Bibles, we're gonna be in Genesis uh, 3. It's gonna be on page 3. It's interesting. Chapter 3, page 3. And we're gonna, we're gonna pick up at one of the darker moments of Eve's life. See, here's the, here's the, pre, so the precursor. In Genesis 2, God gives Adam and Eve the garden, and then God tells Adam, listen, you are free to eat any fruit in this garden, from any tree in this garden, but one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat that tree, you will surely die. So God's proclaiming a message of freedom to Adam. And now Adam and Eve are living in this freedom until the evil one shows up as the serpent. And let's read this together. I'm gonna just sort of give some commentary as we go through it. So verse three, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did, you, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Pause. Satan is already twisting God's words in Eve's life. You see this? What did God say? You are free. What are the first three words that Satan says? You shall not, 
He's already twisting Eve's thinking. And then Eve responds back, well, the woman said, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Hold on. Did God ever say don't touch? Satan's twisting all this stuff up in her head. And then in verse four, the evil one inserts the lie. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. Satan targeted Eve to take out the first family. I believe Satan still targets moms. And how does he do it? If you're taking notes, here's, here's your, your next blank. Here's one of the main ways he attacks. Isolation. Isolation. How did Satan get Eve to not believe all that God had promised and all that God had said? God said, you're free, do whatever you want, just this one thing. And Satan twisted it all up. How? He isolated her. He pulled her away from God, pulled her off to the side, and he isolated her. See, Satan knew that he, if he could get her alone, he could influence her. If Satan can isolate you, he can influence you. Moms, listen. Isolation is dangerous. When I say isolation, let me, let me, let me clean this up. I'm not saying isolation is the same thing as being single. You can be single and you can, have, uh, you can be rooted in community. You can be married and you can be isolated. Isolation means this. It simply means that you have no other voices speaking into your life in a meaningful way. And Satan's attacks are most effective when you're isolated. In fact, let me give you a picture of isolation. Um, have, you ever, have you ever watched any of those nature shows where like lions are chasing down gazelles? Right? Have you ever seen those shows? Anybody? Curiously? I'm just curious, how many of you like it when the animals get away? The rest of you are sick. You're messed up. What's wrong? This is Mother's Day. See, a couple weeks ago, uh, my family and I were watching uh, Netflix's sort of newest Earth uh, documentary, and we were watching The Great Migration. It, it documents all these hundreds of thousands of animals migrating across the, the plains of Africa, chasing the rain, right? Chasing water and life. And what you see is these giant groups and my kids are loving it. This is awesome. And then the camera pans down. All these wildebeest running, and then it, it, it pans down, and there's lions in the grass. And my daughter goes, Daddy? Daddy, what's going to happen? And I was like, just watch, baby. It's about to get good. <laughs> my boys are like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> but here, here's what I noticed. The lions laid in wait and didn't do anything when the pack was running by. See, if they, if they tried to attack the big group of wildebeest, they'd have been trampled. You've seen the Lion King, right? They would have been trampled. They waited. That was dark. They waited. <laughs> they waited for the last straggling uh, wildebeest that were by themselves. And what they did is they scared them away from the pack. And as soon as they were isolated, they were easy to take down. Don't miss this. That is true for you moms. If Satan can isolate you off to the side, where his voice is the only voice you hear, he can take you down. How does Satan destroy families? By isolating moms. And just like the gazelles and the wildebeest, you don't see the danger until it's too late. And I wonder if, if, if I asked you to, by a show of hands across the campuses to raise your hand, I won't. But I wonder if I asked how many moms feel isolated or alone, how many moms' hands would go up? 
think it would break our heart. See, I think there's an epidemic of isolation in moms. You're so busy. The weight of what it means to raise kids. The complexity of running from one thing to the next. And you can be so busy and yet completely isolated. You may have thousands of followers on social media, but in your soul, you're alone. So you might have friends you hang out with socially, but there's no one in your life that is speaking truth to the lies. See, do you have a group of people around you that encourage you, pray for you, and push you towards God? See, let me tell you how Satan does this, moms. He typically attacks your thought life. He'll insert a little tic-tac-sized thought in your brain. And if you're in isolation, that thought will take root and begin to grow. All he has to do is say something like this. You're a failure as a mom. Did you see how your kids acted today? God is not with you. And when you're in isolation, that starts to take root and your mind starts spinning for days, weeks, months, years. See, one of the best investments I make in my family is by taking care of the kids two or three times a month so my wife can go to small group. You're thinking, that's, that's silly. No, this is one of the best investments I make. You see, I asked her, what happens in small group? Why is this so valuable? She said this, she said, listen, in that group, the truth of God is spoken to the lies of Satan in my head. I get to bring those things that are, guys, am I a failure as a mom? And they get to go, no, no. She's encouraged as a mother that God's with her. She's connected to other moms realizing that her failures as a mom are not final. There's older moms in that group that get to go, honey, I've been there. You're going to be fine. That's normal. What a gift that is. See, in that group, they, they're, they're able to help her highlight where God is moving in her life. See, she's rooted in community. And some of you might say, that sounds great. Why isn't everyone in a group like that? Because of human nature. Listen, what is the natural reaction when things start to go bad? It's to hide. What did Eve do? Once she ate the fruit, Adam and Eve did what? They went and hid. And Satan loves this. Because it's a, it's a cycle that digs you deeper. You mess some stuff up. Things are going bad. So you isolate and hide. So Satan can attack you even easier. And then things get worse. And you want to hide even more. And what God would say to you moms today is, come out of hiding. Come out of hiding. You don't solve this stuff by isolating. You solve this stuff by getting in community. Putting yourself around other people that can speak truth to the lies. And in great part, this is why 12 Stone is here. Moms, listen. If Satan can make you just think you're alone... You start to make terrible decisions in isolation, don't you? And in great part, that's why this church is here. We want to pull you out of isolation. There might be some older moms in the room that might need to say, I need to step up, get back in the game. I need to lead some small groups for younger moms. I got some stuff that God could use to encourage them. Younger moms, you need to get into a small group. Grab three or four ladies around you and just start reading through God's word together. Speak truth to the lies. You really think Eve would have eaten that fruit if her small group was standing next to her? Especially if you got one of those loud girls in your small group, right? <laughs> Satan goes, listen, did God really say, you're not, I mean, you're not going to die, Eve. That small girl, wait, hey, Eve, what are you, girl, she's lying to you, get out. Girl, run. That's the beauty of community. It keeps you from making those kind of decisions. See, interestingly, Satan attacked Eve before she ever became a mom. Did you ever notice this? When she was in the garden, she didn't have kids yet. Let me talk to younger ladies for a second. You see, Eve didn't understand what it meant to be a mom yet, so she took lightly what it meant to eat the fruit. I wonder, I wonder if she had kids, if she would have thought differently. 
See, a whole lot of you young ladies are not moms yet. But I would say this, treat your decisions of temptation like you were designed to be a mom someday and someone depends on you because that is gonna matter. Young ladies, don't let Satan take you out before you even become a mom. Treat every decision of temptation like someone depends on you. See, the first way that Satan attacks is by isolating you. So let me ask you, where is Satan isolating you to pull you away from God? Where is he, where is he pulling you into hiding and whispering lies? See, because I think that's how Satan wants to take out moms. But let me just pause for a second. I wanna to talk to a specific group of moms that I think tend to feel more isolated than most. And I wanna to talk to single moms for a second. If you've been around 12 Stone for any amount of time, you know God's put a unique call on our hearts as a church to care for single moms. Our senior pastor, Kevin Myers, was raised by a single mom. There's unique pressures, unique problems. See, this week, what I'm gonna do is, obviously not today, because I'm preaching, sorry, babe, uh, but this week, I'm gonna take my wife out. My kids and I are gonna take our wife out, my wife out. We're gonna take her to dinner. We're gonna treat her special, say thank you, mom, because that's what family does. Single moms, oftentimes, there's no one to do that. And Mother's Day, just another day in the grind, another day in the grind, and there's, you start to feel isolated and alone. And here's what I want you to hear from us. Listen, whether by, by choice or by circumstance, you're a single mom, your church family loves you. And we want you to hear this. At the end of every service, the campus pastors are gonna step up and they're gonna explain where you can go for this, but we're gonna have a, a little card and a $50 bill for every mom. Listen, every single mom, listen. Because we want to be your family. Where I'm gonna take my wife out for Mother's Day, allow your church family to provide you a Mother's Day lunch and to take care of you. Because listen, this is not charity, this is family. And that's what family does, isn't it? So single moms, you're not alone. This is your family. Allow us to serve you in this way. So single moms with school-age kids at the end of service, we'll give you details. But, but I love being a part of a church like that. So here's what Eve would say. She'd say this, don't isolate. But Eve's story continues. It continues. So the, she, she eats the fruit. Sin enters the world. It's now a fallen world. Things are complicated now. They're out of the garden Adam's in the field working, and she ends up having two kids. In Genesis 4, verses 1, it says, Adam laid with his wife Eve. She became pregnant, gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. So now Eve is a mother of two. And isn't it just like scripture to just skip right on through a childbirth that quickly? Moms are like, two verses? Have you ever seen a childbirth? That's all you give me? I got two words, um, no epidurals. Anyway, so... So Eve is now a mom. She has two boys. She loves them dearly. She feeds both of them. She encourages both of them. She challenges both of them. She pours into both of them. She loves both of them. But because sin entered the world, Cain is not okay. See, Cain was extremely jealous of Abel. Maybe you know the story. And that jealousy grew to hatred, and that hatred grew into murder. And in verse 8 of chapter 4, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Just put yourself in Eve's shoes for a minute. She loved those boys. She cared for those boys. Her heart was for those boys. And in that moment, her heart broke. See, Cain killed Abel. And then Cain ran away in shame. And now Eve finds herself motherless. Think of the despair that would have sat in her soul. 
Moms, we can relate to this, can't we? Maybe not to that degree, hopefully. But every time my wife sees one of my kids hit the other kid, there's a little part of her heart that breaks, isn't there? Every time you see one of, the, one of your kids picking another one of your kids, there's just a part of your heart that breaks. See, I think this is another way that Satan attacks moms, and it's this, discouragement. If you're taking notes, discouragement. Satan wants to isolate you, moms, and he wants to discourage you. Your kids will disappoint you, and don't let that discourage you. See, discouragement is a powerful tool. Satan wants you to live in a perpetual state of discouragement because it takes you out of the game. Let me give you a picture. Again, I was reading through my mom's journal this week. As a part of that, I was reminded of how much I loved basketball growing up. I played basketball all my early years. I, I played for the school starting in fourth and fifth grade, loved it. My mom reminded me how much I loved my coach in fourth and fifth grade. He was such an encourager. And then I moved to upstate New York in sixth grade. I went out for the team. I made the team. And I recounted as I read my mom's words, the coach was just, just a jerk, to be honest. He picked apart everything I did. That's the wrong way to shoot. That's the wrong way to this. And slowly but surely, he wore me down. And her words were literally, Jason, I was so sad to see you get discouraged. And then I quit basketball. And I never played again. Discouragement takes you out of the game. Moms, discouragement takes you out of the game. See, I wanna, I wanna illustrate this with a parable that Jesus told. He told it in Luke 13. I just wanna read it. It's really brief, but I think this is a picture of sometimes what it feels like to be a mom. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should I use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. See, this man planted a fig tree with the hope of fruit being grown on it. And every year he came back and he was disappointed there's no fruit. Year one, disappointed. Year two, disappointed. Year three, he's disappointed, and his dis disappointment led to discouragement. He was ready to chop the tree down. Moms, listen, it can be disappointing to have something you planted in your kids that is not producing yet. That deserves an amen from some moms. It can be disappointing, can it? To have things that you've planted in the hearts of your kids, and you're not seeing the fruit of it, and just like the owner of the vineyard, you're going... I, I would have thought by now I would see the fruit in my kids. I've done everything I know to do. I'm reading the Bible to them. I'm teaching them up, and I'm not seeing the fruit that I, that I thought I would see. I taught my kids to put others first and be caring and to be kind, and then I walk in their room, and they're fighting with each other. I taught my kids to work hard and to care about their effort, be proud of their work. Then I get the report card. So I, I, I taught my kids to have self-control, and then I see them lose their mind out of anger and over time, Satan loves to play the game film of those moments in your life. He loves to bring up all the places you're disappointed with your kids or you're disappointed with yourself for how you're, how you're raising your kids. And he does all of this to get you to tap out of parenting. He wants you out of the game. He wants you discouraged and therefore disengaged. And listen, when you tap out of parenting, it's not always a grandiose event. It's usually in the small, subtle decisions you make every day. You stop having the hard conversations with your kids. You lower the bar of what you expect from them. 
You stop investing in them the same way with all the passion and intentionality you once did. You just try to get through another day, another week, another month, another school year. And I think what God would say, if God could just speak to the, the, the hearts of moms, listen, I know your kids disappoint you. I know how you feel. But don't cut the tree down. Keep feeding, keep fertilizing, keep parenting your kids. Do not give up. Keep parenting. Trust me for the fruit for your kids. Trust me for that. I can celebrate that. And moms, some of you feel discouraged. I know, I, I, my, my wife and I recount the seasons of early childhood kids and it's just poop and diapers and feeding and no sleep. It's, it's tough. And then you get to the toddler stage and you think it's about to get easier and it doesn't. And then your kids go to school and you're like, at least I have seven hours a day where I can catch my breath. And then they come home from school and their attitudes aren't, and you're going, God, help me. See, there's, there's a, a quote from a, a female Christian author and speaker, Lisa Turker. She says this, in the quiet, unexpressed, unwrestled through disappointments, Satan is handcrafting his most damning weapons against us and those we love. It's his subtle seduction to get us alone with our thoughts so he can slip in his whispers that will develop our disappointments into destructive choices. If we don't open up a way to process our disappointments, we'll be tempted to let Satan rewrite God's story as a negative narrative. So this is real. Satan attacks through our disappointments. Maybe another way to say it is this. You guys ever heard the term mom guilt? Anybody? Oh, we've got some rumbles. Mom guilt? It's a thing, like it's a real thing. There's a special guilt that moms feel. Even if you've done everything right all day, you lay in bed at night and you have this low-grade fever of mom guilt thinking, I should have done more. You ever been there, moms? Mom, there's some hands. Mom guilt is a thing. And then you go on social media because you're dumb and you do this to yourself. <laughs> Y'all know you got those one or two moms that you scroll through and you just get angry. Like, they go to the gym and come out and their makeup's perfect. You're like, what? They got these pictures of their kids, like, giving their moms kisses on the cheek, and their clothes are just on point, no dirt. There's no popsicle juice on that shirt. It's perfect. And they take pictures of their kid's birthday party. It's like, did that come out of a magazine? How do you have time to make handmade napkin things for four-year-olds? What are you doing? And then you look up from your social media, and your kid's, like, covered in syrup from breakfast. One of your kids daffy ducking it in the living room, shirt, no pants, right? You're going, what's going on? Some of you are all just getting daffy duck with it. <laughs> See, you look and you start comparing, you're going, man, I'm a failure. Moms, you start telling yourself, listen, moms, you're sitting there saying, I am not enough for my kids. I am not enough for my kids, and I am here to tell you you're right. Moms, you are not enough for your kids, but that is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. You see, mom guilt says you are not enough for your kids. The gospel says Jesus is enough for you and your kids. Mom guilt says do more and do better, and the gospel says Jesus is the more and Jesus is better. Mom guilt says you better be perfect. The gospel says Jesus is perfect for you. Mom guilt says failure is final, but the gospel says failure can be forgiven because of Jesus, and I pray that the gospel is louder in your life than all the guilt. Moms, you need to hear that today. 
Satan wants nothing more than to take you out because of disappointment. And your role as a mom is not to be perfect. Your role as a mom is to partner with God to grow up what he planted in your kids. See, if I, if I could give you one piece of advice from the parable of the fig tree, I would tell you this, don't measure too quickly. I actually looked it up this week because I'm weird like this. I looked up how long does it take a fig tree to produce fruit? Interesting answer. Most fig trees, it takes two years. So he was coming year three going, surely, by now. But there's a lot of fig trees that can take up to six years to produce fruit. Listen, moms, dads, when you measure too quickly, you can become discouraged. See, I don't think you measure parenting in days, you measure it in decades. And the evil one wants you to take a measuring every single day. How am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? And you're going to discourage yourself. Don't measure too quickly. Just keep pouring into your kids. See, Eve's story played out. And you look at this disappointing, discouraging moment, but her story's not over. And I just want you to see the next step of what God's doing. Because always, when you're parenting, God's always working behind the scenes. See, see... Eve would have been discouraged, but in verse 25, it tells us that Adam laid with his wife again. She gave birth to a son and named him Seth, third son. And she said, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Why is this important? Because Seth means appointed by God. She named her kid reminding herself, listen, all of this stuff that fell apart, Satan's attacks, all those things that were trying to take me out will not conquer God's purpose for my life. And he gave me Seth. And I say that to remind you, God is still good. Moms, God is still good. Even in the, in the late nights and the difficult seasons, God is still good and he is working this out for your good. So Eve would tell us, be careful, don't isolate. Satan wants to attack you when you're isolated. He would say, be careful, moms. Fight through the discouragement and the discouraging years. And what is the weapon? Those are the, the two attacks from Satan. But God gives moms a powerful weapon. It's this simple. Pray. Moms, pray. Prayer is the greatest legacy that you will ever leave your kids. Let me read this quote from Pastor Mark Batterson. I think this is helpful for moms. Listen, you'll never be a perfect parent but you can be a praying parent. Don't just leverage it as a last resort when all else fails. Make it your first priority. Nothing you can do will give you a higher return on your investment than praying for your kids. I believe that every blessing, every breakthrough, every miracle in your life traces back to the prayers that were prayed by you or for you because there is nothing good apart from God. Mom's prayer is the greatest legacy you will ever leave your kids. When Satan attacks, pray. When Satan's attacking your kids, pray. See, I mentioned this journal that my mom left me earlier in the teaching. What I failed to mention is this isn't just a book that chronicles my life's events. This is her prayer journal to me, to God for me. I can literally go back and read the prayers my mom offered over my life. I read through the prayers she prayed when she dropped me off at kindergarten that God would help me to learn and grow and become a man. I read the prayers my mom prayed for me in sixth grade. When I moved to a new school and I was getting bullied, she prayed that God would make me courageous. She prayed that God would give me thick skin for that season. I, pray, I, I read the prayers my mom prayed for me in this journal when I was in high school and I had a season where I started to go, grow distant and cold to God. 
And I read the prayers of a mom just begging God to get a hold of my heart. See, this is one of my most prized possessions. And my mom's, although she's with Jesus, her prayers don't have a shelf life. See, because she prayed those prayers to an eternal God. And there's still prayers she prayed in here that are still unfolding in my life right now. Moms, this is a gift to your kids. Prayer is the best gift and best legacy you'll ever leave your kids. Some of you are going, I'm not a big journal person. Let me, let me take this into the 21st century. Maybe the best thing you could do for your kids, the best gift you can give to your kids is to simply get them an email address. Stick with me. My wife and I did this for our kids. I learned this from a, one of the ushers at Sugarloaf. It's brilliant. Just luke.berry at gmail.com and then just start emailing him prayers. You can, be, you can be traveling on a business trip. You got your computer, just email him. Hey, son, I'm praying for you. Hey, daughter, I'm praying for you. You drop your kids off at school. You, j- you get your iPhone out real quick. Hey, I just dropped you off for second grade. I'm praying that God would do this in your life and this in your life and this in your life. You literally just document their life through prayer. And then when they turn 18, you hand them a card that has their email address and their password. And you say, start at the beginning. And they get to read through the prayers that their mom prayed over them their whole life. And I can tell you from experience, this is a gift. I can picture my kids coming down after reading through on their 18th birthday, Daddy, I never knew you guys prayed for me like this. That's the beauty of a praying mom. Moms, the weapon you have against the evil one is prayer. And you don't need more of what is practical, you need more of what is eternal. There's no amount of parenting books, blog posts, conferences you can go to that will cover the gap of a prayerless motherhood. Moms, you need to pray. And when we talk about transforming families rooted in prayer, this is what we mean. We mean prayers over our kids matter. You see, Eve had a bad day, but that didn't make a bad mom. And she would tell you, moms, fight your way out of isolation, fight your way through discouragement, and leave your kids a legacy of prayer. And I would encourage you, the same God that my mom prayed to for me all those years is the same God that's gonna reunite me with her one day. And because of Jesus, I'll see my mom again. Because of Jesus, we have hope. Because of Jesus, moms, you have hope in your parenting. Because of Jesus, we can pray and ask God to do things for us we could never do for ourselves. And in great part, that's why we crafted the service like we did today. See, across the campuses, our campus pastors are gonna step up. And we're gonna have some moments of prayer and worship over moms. We think it's the most meaningful thing we can do for you today, moms, is pray for you. So campus pastors across the campuses step up. And let's just have some moments together, some sweet moments of worship and prayer. So right here at Central, we're gonna create some space today for moms. We know there's unique challenges you all carry. We know there's things, uh, moms, that, that only God can break through for you. I know there's moms now that have lists of things you've prayed for your kids and you're still praying those things. But we wanna just have a couple, couple tender moments as a church family together. So I would ask this, if you're a mom in the room, would you stand up across the room? And if you see a mom standing near you, I wanna make sure every mom's got at least one hand on her shoulder because we're gonna pray over moms together as a church. 
There's moms everywhere, plenty to go around. Find a mom, stick a hand on her shoulder. We got some moms over here that could use somebody. I want to give you time. If you're next to a mom, moms, put your hands on each other. Moms, God knows the unique weight you carry. And he cares for you dearly. So let me pray for you. And so Jesus, thank you for moms. What a gift. God, you designed this whole thing like this and you are so kind. But God, we know the unique challenges that moms have. And so God, I pray for moms who right now feel isolated and alone. God, they feel like they're carrying the, the weight of parenting and they feel like no one knows what they're, what they're going through. They feel like they're isolated. Holy Spirit, would you draw near to them now? Would you draw near to them? In their weakness, would you be made strong? In their tiredness, would they be made strong because of Jesus? God, I pray for those moms who are discouraged. They're looking at their kids and they're going, I've done everything I know to do and I don't see the fruit. I've planted everything I know to plant in these kids and I don't see it producing fruit yet. Jesus, would you encourage them? Holy Spirit, encourage the hearts of moms today. That God, even though they don't see the fruit yet, you see the future. And God, would you produce fruit in the lives of the kids of these moms in your due time? But God, give them the tenacity, the fight, the drive to stay in the game, to have the tough conversations, to keep praying. God, I pray for moms in this room that have adult kids that are prodigals. They've done everything they knew to do for 18 years and their kids walked away, God. God, would you renew their passion to keep praying for their kids? Would you renew that? God, we pray for these moms. Would you bless them? In the name of Jesus Christ, would you bless them? And God, I pray that all that they planted in their kids, that it would produce fruit in due time. We give it to you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. So moms, you can be seated. I wanna pray for another group. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be candid. This is, this is a tough one, but I, I, in prayer last night, we felt like God really wanted us to honor this moment. And for some, Mother's Day is a really hard day. For me, it's a tough day. Maybe you lost your mom. Today's a tough day for you. Maybe you want nothing more than to be a mom. For whatever reason, you're not yet. There's complications and there's stuff there. Maybe you're a mom and you lost a kid. And Mother's Day just feels like the evil one wants to throw it back in your face. Maybe like I said, you're a mom and you've got prodigal kids that have run away from Jesus. And this is gonna take courage. And I don't, I, I, I don't do this to, to put a spotlight on you. I do this because we really wanna serve you. If you fall into one of those camps and you'd like for us to pray for you, I'd love to invite you to stand. I know it takes courage, but this is a church family. So if you're in one of the camps, you say, Mother's Day is a hard day for me. Would you stand? Now let's get around these people quick, would you please? 12 stone, get your hands on some shoulders. There's men, there's women. This is not just for, this is not just for moms. Mother's Day can be a tough day. Don't let anybody stand alone in this moment, please. Got some over here. I want you to know this, God draws near to the brokenhearted. So as I pray, would you pray along with me, maybe just whispering under your breath, 
So Jesus, you know the weight and the pain that Mother's Day can bring for some. God, I don't know all the stories, I don't know all the details, but Jesus, you do. So God, I pray that you, your promise, that you would draw near to those who are brokenhearted today, God, that you would bring hope and peace and love into the lives of these people who for Mother's Day is hard, God. For those who've lost their moms, God, would you remind them of the hope of eternity because of Jesus? God, for those who have lost kids, would you remind them of the hope of eternity, Jesus? You said, let all the little children come unto me, Father. Maybe they lost kids, but God, Jesus, your blood covers those young children they've lost. We pray for, for peace and hope in that. God, maybe we got prodigal kids running away from you, God. I pray that today, Holy Spirit, would you draw them back home again? And God, for those moms who desperately want to be parents, I walked this through with my brother for five years. God, I know the weight the emptiness and the sorrow. So Jesus, would you just, would you just even now, Holy Spirit, draw so near to those moms? Would you draw near and would you, would you remind them that you're still good? I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, God, would you remind them that you're good and that you're present and that you love them? And God, I don't know what you wanna do with those moms, but I don't wanna let it go uncontested. And so if those of you around moms, I don't know who, what your stories are, but we're gonna pray in agreement together. God, I don't know what you wanna do, but we're not gonna let it go uncontested. So Jesus, we ask that you would heal barren wombs. God, there might be moms that have tried for years to have kids, and we pray in the name of Jesus today that you would open up wombs. You would make people that are infertile, fertile, God. Would you give them children? They want to raise them to be followers of Jesus. Would you give them kids? God, I don't know what you're going to do, but we ask boldly in the name of Jesus that you would heal and you would restore and you would bring dead things back to life in these families. Jesus, would there be children that they get to hear the story 10, 20 years from now that on Mother's Day 2019, God healed my mom and he brought me into this world. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus. And so for all the weight that you're carrying, whatever reason you're standing, Jesus is enough. For all the weight that you carry, for all the pressure, for all the sorrow, Jesus is enough. And so we pray the name of Jesus over this room. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite the rest of us to stand along with these people, and we're going to worship. See, I think it's appropriate that we end a Mother's Day with worship. And, and listen, don't start sliding out. I get it. You want to go hit the buffet with mom? I get it. I got food you know not of. And I want to invite you in this moment to just lean in. We worship a good God who loves us dearly, and he says who we are. Would you moms, would you believe who God says that you are? Let's worship together.